This is the Grind It Podcast. We know just like grinding a handrail or a cross of coping can be challenging at times, so can life be. We share God's word and personal stories to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Welcome. Today we're going to start Mark chapter 8, but before we get into Mark chapter 8, as we watch these big old huge snowflakes fall, why don't you pray? Thank you, Lord. Thank you that we have your word to chew on, to feast on. And we just pray that you would illuminate our understanding, that you would give us revelation and knowledge of you. Because that's our desire, is, is to grow closer to you. Not for head knowledge that puffs up, but heart knowledge that draws us in. We're astounded by who you are and the amazing works that you do. So God, we give you glory and we ask you to open this word to us as we study it today. In the mighty and matchless name of Jesus, amen. All right, so Jesus has gone into some Gentile territory uh, and he was wanting to be this in Mark 7 where he was wanting to be alone Maybe hang out, get some rest, and teach his disciples uh, some lessons. Uh, but unfortunately for him, a lady discovered that he's in town, and she finds out where he's at. Um, Mark says that she was from Syria, Syrophoenician lady, and she had the demon-possessed little girl, and she wanted Jesus to cast that demon out, and Jesus called her a dog. We discussed what that meant. It was a pet dog. He wasn't being derogatory toward her uh, by any means. And um, he was basically just testing her faith, and it was also a lesson for his disciples, that, you know, that God cares about the Gentiles as well. And he, Hallelujah. Know, yeah, when she says, you know, even the dogs deserve the crumbs that fall from the master's table, right? Right. And Jesus was taken back by her statement and healed her daughter. And then he goes from Tyre, he goes to Sidon uh, into the Decapolis area where he's confronted by some people who bring him a, a, a deaf man uh, who is also mute <clears throat> to be healed. And we talk about how Jesus took this man away from the crowd and healed him. And But not only did he do that, but he, he sighed a deep groan. And we talk about what that meant. When he, when, why did he do that? Why would he sigh a deep groan? Um, and it was a, a, a like of grief. And, and it's like he's, he's like, People just seek signs, and we're going. And the reason why I bring this back up as a reminder uh, is because he's fixing to do the same thing. Uh, he's going to sigh this deep groan, but it's, it's even a deeper groan that means it comes from deep within his the gut. The gut, yeah. Uh, but that's over the Pharisees. We'll, we'll see here in a few minutes. Um, but as we start chapter eight, uh, just keep in mind that he came here to be alone, and he was hoping not to be discovered. Um, but he was found out these crowds, as, it, as it always happens, they start gathering around. And then when we start in chapter 8, we see a huge crowd that is gathered. But not only have they gathered, they're, they're, they're going to stay with Jesus for days. Mm. And the crowd just keeps growing and growing and growing as they listen to his teaching. And this is, and keep in mind, this is a, mostly a crowd of Gentiles, maybe with a few Jews sprinkled in here and there. Mm-hmm. But he's in Gentile territory, right? In the Decapolis. All right, Shelby, you're going to read verses 1 through 8. 
During those days, another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have, eat, have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. His disciples answered, but we're, but we're in this remote place. Can't anyone get enough bread to feed them? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. When he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people, and they did so. They had a small fish as well. He gave thanks for them also and told the disciples to distribute them. The story sounds familiar. The people ate and were satisfied. Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven baskets fulls of broken pieces that were left over. Keep going. About 4,000 were present. After he had sent them away, he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the region of... Damanotha. Yeah. All right, that's good. All right. So, uh, we don't know, Shelby was asking before we got started, how long is it before when Jesus fed the 5,000, which is more like 10,000-ish, because of the women and children that were not counted, mm-hmm. Jesus feeds them with two fish and five loaves of bread, right? And they have 12 basketfuls remaining. We don't know exactly how long it was between the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of this 4,000, which is probably more like eight to 10,000. Because again, they only counted the men for whatever reason. Um, but what stands out to me is in this story is the disciples and their, uh, um, qu- how quickly they are to forget. Mm. Because they just watched Jesus feed almost 10,000 people with two fish and five loaves of bread. Now here they are freaking out. Uh, there's a crowd of, you know, 4,000 plus, And they had just fed this huge crowd with a miracle. And they're freaking out about how, how are we going to feed these people? We got seven loaves of bread. Well, aren't we that way? Yeah, we are. We forget. Quickly. You know, um, my friend Brenda says we're leaky vessels. You know we're we're broken and leaky and even though you know god comes and fills us or satisfies our needs does something amazing and miraculous then it's not very long before we start freaking out again because we're trying to rely on our own strength and lord what are you gonna do how are you gonna provide for this and oh wait didn't he just mm. right which is why in in the scriptures you know <coughs> Part of why the feasts are there in in God's calendar as a regular reminder about his faithfulness. Mm -hmm. That's why he told them to build altars throughout the wilderness so that when you see it, when your kids ask you, what's that one about? You know, what happened here? It's that reminder of the fact that he provided and that, that he was faithful and that he did a miracle. Because we're leaky vessels and we need reminding. <laughs> you're, 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 getting, you're, you're getting into the, to what I was going to talk about. Um, you didn't know that, but you are. Uh, so like in Exodus 12, you have the, the first Passover, right? Mm-hmm. 
uh, which was one of the main ones. When the death angel would pass through the land, they mm -hmm. when he saw the they were to take a, a an animal, a, a, a sheep or a lamb, yeah, or a goat in, uh, with perfection, kill it or keep it for a certain amount of days. I think it was like ten to fourteen days. And they had to kill it and take the blood and put it over the doorpost. And when the death angel come through, if he saw the blood on their doorpost, he would pass over that house. And everybody inside the house, the Jews would know to do this. The Egyptians didn't. Mm -hmm. But whoever was inside that house would be saved. They would, would not be killed. Right? Their firstborn wouldn't be killed. Right? Which is why it's called a Passover. And this is what Moses says, or God says, in verse four, uh, Exodus 12, 14. This is a day to remember. Mm -hmm. This is a day to remember. Each year from generation to generation, you must celebrate it as a special festival to the Lord. This is the law for all times. All right. And then he goes on and explaining it. But he says, this is a day for you to remember. Uh, in Exodus 13.3, Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you went out from Egypt, from the house of slavery, for by, powerful hand, for by the powerful hand of the Lord brought you out from this place, and nothing leavened shall be eaten. But the key word being, remember this day. Don't mm -hmm. forget it. And God, where I just read in Exodus 12, where God said the same thing. Remember this day. It's going to be a, um, what you'll do for generation after generation. And we still do it, even in the church. We just don't call it Passover anymore because Jesus is... Death, burial, and resurrection took its place, and we're, we and he said, "Eat this bread, which uh, represents my body, that's broken right. for you. Drink remember this cup." Remember when you do it. Yeah, yeah, and remember. And so it's a, it, so we do that. Well, our church does it every Sunday, depending on what flavor you are, you uh, you worship in. Some don't do it at all. Some do it maybe once a year, once a quarter. Once a month. Yeah, we yeah we do it every week. But it's Jesus says, "Take this." Um, these emblems to remember my death till I come back. Mm -hmm. So it's a reminder of what Jesus has done for us. Because you said, as you said, how quickly we forget what Jesus has done for us. Uh, Numbers fifteen thirty nine says it shall. You you can explain this some better than I can. Numbers fifteen thirty nine. It shall be a tassel for you to look at and remember all the commandments of the Lord, so as to do them and not follow after your own heart and your own eyes. After which you played the harlot. Mm -hmm. and what's he That's the, the prayer tassel that's in the shawl, right? The tzitzit. The tzitzit were fastened to the corners of your main garments. So There's a you, certain color, right? Blue? Well, there's usually a blue, at least a blue cord in the midst of them. Um, and they have knots on them as well as um, the, the cords. Um, and... Right, that was just attached to the corners of your garment. And a lot of people, I mean, even in Messianic communities these days, um, will still wear them on the, the bottom hem of a, a shirt or attached to belt loops or something like that. It's just as a reminder uh, of the commandments of God, yeah. of his name, of who he is. Isaiah 17.10 says, For you have forgotten the God of your salvation, and have not remembered the rock of your refuge. Therefore, you plant delightful plants and you set them with vine slips of a strange God. Little G. Mm -hmm. Talking to the Hebrew people, Israel, in the Old Testament before he comes, this Isaiah, one of the major prophets who comes in, you know, telling you better repent. 
if you don't repent, this is fixing to happen. If they don't repent, Nebuchadnezzar is allowed to come in and destroy it, right? And destroys their temple and everything. Mm -hmm. Why? Because <clears throat> they didn't remember. <laughs> Even though they had the festivals and the feast days, they had God's commandments, they had the tassels, they had all this stuff. Mm -hmm. They forgot. And they paid the ultimate price. They're literally wiped off their land, killed and destroyed. The temples in Second Chronicles 36, Nebuchadnezzar comes in and just the Babylonian people army comes in and just wipes them off the face of the earth. And those that were alive got to go back into Babylonian captivity and becomes the ten lost tribes of Israel. Forgot about. Jeremiah 18, 15, for my, uh, for my people have forgotten me, God says. They burned incense to worthless gods, little G, mm -hmm. and have stumbled from their ways, from the ancient past, to walk in bypass, not on the highway. And they had priests, Levites, they had all these people that, were, that taught in the temple mm -hmm. to remind them of God's law and God's word. And they just, the people just went about their daily lives. Like we do. Right. Right. It's so easy that we forget. Ephesians 2, 8-13. God saved you by his grace when you believe. So Paul's talking to Christians here. God saved you by his grace when you believe. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God, right? Mm -hmm. Salvation. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the things he planned for us long ago. Now here's verse 11. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. Don't forget that. You Gentiles, you used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision. Why? Because the covenant God had made them back in Genesis 12. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but you Gentiles, you know, you're, you're grafted in. You're not a part of the root system. But because the Jews rejected you, we talked about this the other day in another podcast in Romans. And you've been grafted in, Paul says. Um, and don't forget that you were outsiders, that you were uh, these Jews who hated you, that they were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. Mm -hmm. But to them, to the Jews, they thought it was their way to God, their, their free ticket to heaven, right, with their relationship with God. And Paul says, hey, that it only affected their bodies, not their hearts. Right. Because he talks about in Colossians 2 about the circumcision made through Christ, right. which is a circumcision of the heart and not of the flesh. Um, in those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. Why? Because he'd given them to the Jews, not to the Gentiles. You lived in this world without God and without hope. Mm -hmm. Talking to the Gentiles. They live without God, and to live without God is to live without hope. Opposite of that is true, though. If you're living with God, you live with hope. Amen. Right? Don't forget that. Remember. But, <laughs> but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. But he says, don't forget that you Gentiles, you used to be outsiders, but now God has brought you in. Mm -hmm. He's given you hope. Thank you, Lord. His hope, yeah. So if we think about the disciples, right? They're with Jesus on a daily basis. They've seen miracle after miracle. They've worked miracles themselves. And and yet, even after he just fed nearly 10,000 people, they're they like... They still forget. 
Yeah, they forgot who this man is that they're walking with. So they're, they're freaking out. How are we going to feed this Gentile crowd? How are we going to feed these 4,000 people plus? And so we just need a, a reminder um, of God's blessings. Mm -hmm. Right? Uh, what, what's, what's the old Baptist hymnal? See what God has done. Count your many blessings. Count your blessings. See what God. Count your many blessings. What, how does it go? The verse. But anyway, the point of the song is, if we if we daily count our blessings, we won't forget. Mm -hmm. We're always reminded mm -hmm. of what God's done. Because well, I mean, I mean, life is hard, right? Things happen. It's it's full of valleys and mountaintop experiences. Right. And when we get down in the valley, or something bad comes along in our life, a life challenge. We tend to focus on that instead of on God. Mm -hmm. And I've heard preachers say, you know, when we when we're focused on God, God is huge. But when we take our eyes off God, it, it, the further we kind of shrink back, and the further we shrink back, the smaller God gets. Mm -hmm. If we're near God, He's big. If we're away from God, He's small. You know, this with anything. Mm -hmm. And and when when something goes wrong in our life, or we're going through something difficult, it's easy to get our focus off where it should be and when our focus is off then God gets small and we tend to forget mm -hmm. what God's done <coughs> kind of like the people in the book of Hebrews right they're, they're being persecuted um, and the book of Hebrews was written to them because they're leaving Jesus in the church and they're going back into Judaism where they're still making animal sacrifices and and, and the, the, the author of Hebrews is saying look it's not doing you any good. Yes, you're facing persecution. Yes, your life is getting very difficult because you're following Christ and this persecution has come along. But he even tells me, he says, you had not even shed blood yet. <laughs> you know? So yeah, persecu your persecution is bad, but none of you died for your faith. None of you, you know, there's, you haven't even shed blood, right? And you're already going back into the, to Judaism because you think it's safe there. And so he's, he says in Hebrews 10, 1 through 5, he says, the old old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped, for the worshipers would have been purified once for all time, and their feelings of guilt would have, been, have disappeared. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them Mm -hmm. of their sins year after year. Mm -hmm. right, so they're a reminder, which is not a good reminder. Hey, you're, you're a sinful person. Uh, for it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away the sins. That is why when Christ came to the world, he said to God, you do not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. You are not pleased with burnt offerings or other, or other offerings for sin. And I said, look, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written about me in the scriptures and so the, the hebrew author he's reminding these people look the old way don't work anymore um, the only way that you can have forgiveness of your sins is through jesus mm -hmm. and if you leave jesus you're in danger and so where he, else will you go exactly so in verses 11 through 14 of hebrews 10 he says under the old covenant the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day offering the same sacrifices again and again 
which can never take away sins. So there's your there's the deficiency of the old system, right? But it was our just high the priest, atonement, it was just <coughs> covering over, it wasn't wiping away. Right, yeah, just covering. Um, he says, but our high priest, which is Jesus, offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins. Once good for, for all. Yeah, once for all. Or the New Living Translation says good for all time. And then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And therefore he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. Which is key, is being made holy. And then in 19 through 25, he says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter into heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. Not by these animal sacrifices, but by the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new life and life giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. Talking about that veil, right? Mm -hmm. It was torn from top to bottom. Like God just took his hands and just ripped it. This big, thick curtain in the temple that separated God from the people, from the priests or whoever. And the priests could only go in once a year. But now he's saying that that veil has been gone. It's gone through the blood of Jesus. And, and we have direct access to it. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his returning is drawing near. And then he says in verse 31 through 36, it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Mm -hmm. think it is about, a fearful thing to fall into yeah. the hands of the living God. Think, because that's what they're doing, right? They're, they're, they're being persecuted, they're discouraged, and they're going back into Judaism and they're leaving Jesus. And he's reminding them of what Jesus has done. And he's saying, them sacrifices that's being made under Judaism, they, oh, wait, it's not going to, you're not going to have forgiveness of sins because you're, you're leaving your only way to have your sins forgiven. And he says, it's a terrible thing to fall in the hands of the living God. And then he says, now, get this, because the whole, we're talking about remembering and not forgetting. Israel forgot. And Paul says, the Old Testament is our tutor. It's our schoolmaster. Mm -hmm. We should learn from their example. Unfortunately, right. We're hard-headed people, like you were saying a while ago. How quickly we forget, right? <laughs> and so he's saying, look, it's a terrible thing to fall in the hands of the living God. Think back on the early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember what Pastor said Sunday in his sermon? He was talking about, remember back when you were when you first became a Christian and how it was easy to be in the Word and you know, you're just all in love with Jesus, couldn't get enough. Right? You know, and when we've been Christians for a long time, for a lot, some people, not all people, but for some people, it was they just lose that. They, they're not in the Word at all, mm -hmm. or maybe very little. And, uh, it's just not the same. That fire, that zeal is... Mm. We are releasing the sound Cause the lost generation to be found all you Grinded Podcast listeners, I know you enjoy some good music, but I want to tell you about some awesome music. Now, my friend, Mary Gamboa, she's also the worship leader at the church where I worship, called Authentic Church here in Alcoa, Tennessee. We'd love to invite you to come out and check us out sometime when you get a chance. Start at 10 a.m. And we're on Lindsay Street here in Alcoa. Mary has produced a new album called Jealous. And you can check that out anywhere music is being streamed. But you can also check it out at marygamboamusic.com. That's Mary G A M B O A music.com. Go check that out.
And he's saying, think back on the early days when you first learned about Christ. And then he says, remember, remember how you remained faithful, even though it meant terrible, terrible suffering. Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten. And sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same thing. That's what it's all about. You suffered along with those who were thrown in jail. And when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. So don't throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember, he says it twice, remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue. Remember what, what he said? Uh, where was it? He, when he said that you're being saved, right? Being made holy. Being made holy. And so he's saying, remember that great reward that it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. In other words, if you don't continue, you're not going to receive his promises. Because if you leave Christ, you're leaving your only way to have your sins washed away. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be paying a bad, bad price. So remember, remember, remember. Remember what Christ has done for you. Remember this ter terrible suffering you went through. But went through, but remember how you got through it. And how did they get through it? They were helping one another. Well, that, that's why it says don't, don't neglect the meeting together. Well, you know, we, we take that verse to beat people over the head that, that you know, didn't show up for church services. <laughs> but that verse is so much more than that. Mm -hmm. He's saying we got to have one another. Why? Because we can remind each other what God has done. When somebody's suffering, we're here to help. Yeah. Remember what God, you know, because when you're suffering, it's easy to forget. It's easy to draw back. It's easy just to forget, you know, is this even worth it? And then mm -hmm. we got people there that are encouraging us and saying, hey, yeah, it is worth it. Keep going. Keep going. Mm -hmm. Think ahead. What were you going to say? You were going to say something? I mean, so back to the scripture that we're looking at in, in Mark 8, you know, we're looking at this mass of people going, how are we going to feed them? How are we going to feed them? Well, how much bread do you have? Seven loaves. Oh, and a few, few small fish. Oh, that's right. You just did this. You you multiplied it. Mm -hmm. So are you going to do that thing again? <laughs> you going to do that thing again? <coughs> it's just it's just amazing. I, I wish we didn't know how much time had passed because it's amazing how quickly. All the miracles that they've seen Jesus do, including being that big crowd, and they're like, we don't know how we're going to do this. Right. Was it a week or two weeks later? Was it a month or two later? Don't know. But still, it's it's pretty monumental that he fed over 5,000 people with two fish and five loaves, right? Mm -hmm. um, and how do you and here that? we are. Here we are in a pretty similar situation. Um, and again, we're like, oh, how... What are you going to do, Lord? How are you going to do this? These people haven't eaten in three days. Hangry. They're hangry. Hangry. And Jesus said, if we send them home, they're, they're, they're going to collapse. Gonna, they're going <laughs> to They haven't eaten in three days. <clears throat> what are we going to do? Well, how many fish do you have? How many bread? loaves of bread do you have? And so some Pharisees show up. And uh, which is kind of ironic because they want to, they want Jesus to perform a miracle to prove that he is who he says he is. Mm -hmm. They don't need reminders. 
they, they, you know, they've been in the synagogues. They, they were Jesus has cast out demons and healed withered hands. Mm-hmm. These religious leaders, the Pharisees, they, they know what Jesus can do. They hear the people talking because he's performed a lot of miracles by now. Even raised the, the little girl from the dead. And they show up to Jesus with their authority and demand. That's mm-hmm. why Mark Mark uses the word demand. They mm-hmm. demand a miracle to prove that he is who he says he is. But do you think that the disciple? I mean, not the disciple. Do you think the Pharisees would have? Because Jesus said, "You ain't getting nothing from me. It ain't happening. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not performing something just so you can. Because do I don't. I don't think personally. I don't think they would have believed." If they would have saw Jesus do it right there before their very eyes, mm-hmm. I don't think they would have believed. Right. Well, and I was, we were discussing that before we started rolling on the cameras, and we were discussing the fact that here the Pharisees wanted more compelling proof of Jesus's divine authority than his miracles. And we're all thinking, dude, he just fed five thousand plus. Now he's fed. 4,000 plus. He's raised a girl from the dead. He's healed this deaf and mute man, right? He's, cast out he's, demons. Yeah, demons. casting out demons. Those are all some pretty compelling miracles, but they don't want that. They want something more compelling than that. And But he refused to perform such a, a sign because the request came from unbelief. And I think you're right. I think if, even if he had done something right in front of their eyes called down fire from heaven or, yeah. you know, something, um, they still would not have believed. Yeah, because their hearts were hardened, right? It's like mm-hmm. Pharaoh and his heart being hardened, even even though Moses came and performed these signs and these, these miracles and these um, crazy and unnatural things, Pharaoh's heart was hardened. And he wouldn't. He wouldn't see it. He wouldn't receive that's, that's it. That's a good point. I thought about something too. I, I wonder. You know, like in Mark seven, when Jesus was at the yeah the deaf and mute guy, Jesus. You know, those people brought that man to Jesus, but Jesus took that man away from the crowd. I wonder if one of the reasons why he took that man away from the crowd because he knew there were some Pharisees there watching. He didn't want them to see it because he's fixing to do the same thing again. Never know. At the end of Mark eight. Mm-mm. And so, he's not going to perform any miracles for these guys. He don't have anything to prove to them. Because, he, you know, Jesus doesn't need assurance. He knows who he is. <laughs> Shelby, you want to read those couple of verses? The Pharisees began to question Jesus. To test him, they asked him for a sign from heaven. He sighed deeply and said, Why does this generation ask for a sign? Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given to you. Then he left them, got back into the boat, and crossed to the other side. Keep going. So I just want to point something out that he says to the disciples. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. Yeah, so so he, he just had his confrontation with the Pharisees, right? He says, watch out. Beware of the, the yeast or the leaven of, of the Pharisees and of Herod. We'll talk more about this in the next podcast. Um, but <clears throat> the disciples, man, they just, they don't get it, right? And, and so 
Keep reading. Read verses 15 through 21. Uh, be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, It is because we have no bread. <laughs> Just because Jesus mentioned yeast or leaven, <laughs> and they're like, Dude, we didn't wait. We just had all these baskets. I thought you knew you had it. Yeah, I thought you had it. Yeah. No, what? No, didn't you tell that one? To... They had seven you baskets. You told Daddy to grab it, right? <laughs> they had seven basketfuls of bread, right? And none of them brought, brought bread on the ship. Well, they brought one. On the, on the boat, yeah. One loaf. Yeah. <laughs> one piece of naan. One piece of naan. You know what I mean? And, and they think that, that Jesus is getting on to them. They're, they're, they're so gullible, man. They just don't get it. All right, keep going. It's because we have no bread. <laughs> Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Can you see Jesus? He's like, still not <sighs> come on a deep understand. sigh. <laughs> are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? Yes. And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the five thousand? How many basket full or how many pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the four thousand, how many basket fulls of pieces did you pick up? They answered seven. seven. <coughs> he said to them, Do you still not understand? There it is. The New Living Translation, he says, Why are you arguing that you have no bread? Do you not understand yet? Are your hearts too hard to take in? You have eyes you can't see. You have ears. Can't you hear? And here it is. Don't you, this New Living Translation, don't you remember anything at all? <laughs> you, you see, they're sitting there arguing about it, and I have one with one another. I thought you had the bread. No, I thought you had the bread. Because we didn't bring any bread. And Jesus is sitting there watching them. You, you can just see him. He's just sitting there shaking his head, and he's like, these guys are idiots. They just don't get it. <laughs> Just because I mentioned the Pharisees, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and their talk, they think I mean literal bread. They just, you got eyes to see, you don't understand. You got ears to hear, and you don't, you just don't get it. Okay, but what is, important point, what does leaven do? It leavens the whole lump, so it, it makes bread rise. Right. Yeast. And Which so, is, most mean, of the time in the Bible is a, sig uh, is a symbol of sin. Right. And, um, right, because a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Um, that's why during Passover, or just at the, at the beginning of Passover, you get all of the yeast out of your oh, house, yeah. right? It's, it's, you're searching for the chametz, even during the, the Passover meal, you're looking for the pieces of bread that are hidden that represent sin because you're going to get, get rid of those. Um, right, but, but on a very practical level, you know, when you're making bread, when you're making a pizza crust or something like that, that has to rise, you mix that, that yeast with some warm water and usually some sugar, it feeds, it grows, there's a chemical process, then you mix in the flour and stuff, but that little bit of yeast, it doesn't take very much, mm -hmm. right? It's like a teaspoon dry for a whole lump. Of, of dough and so what was he saying he was like their little bit of teaching their little bit of teaching can do a whole world of of evil you know so watch out for the yeast of the pharisees and the yeast of herod right watch out for the the leaven of so i mean i would say the culture 
Yeah. Right? Because they respected these people, the disciples. The right. And so even, even in the church, in the religious culture, watch out for that yeast. Outside that, in the governmental culture, mm. watch out for that yeast. How much more do we? Do we need to be sober and vigilant and, and watching for how does the culture influence us? A lot. Even, even within the church, how does the government, how does our culture outside, even outside of the church, just in America today, how does that affect us as believers? Mm -hmm. How does it distract us and make us forget the things that God has told us to remember? You know, who we are. Yeah. The fact that we're set aside as holy. And, you know, we, we are inundated with a barrage of, of images, images and things to listen to, stuff to watch, things to read. You know, I mean, even just driving down the highway, God bless America, there are billboards with all kinds of stuff on them that that minister to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Mm -hmm. You know, there are all those things that help distract people from what God has said to remember. And what are the things that we need to latch on to? So we need to beware. Beware of the yeast, right? Beware the yeast. What? Be careful, my version says. Be careful, he warned them. Watch out. For the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. Watch out, church in America, for the yeast, even within your churches. Watch out for the yeast that is in American culture. Yeah. You think about the Pharisees and who they were. They were they were the representations of God. They were the ones who knew the law, taught the law, and and the people of their time and era, they looked to those for guidance. Right. And Jesus said, you, you convert somebody, you make them twice the son of hell. Mm -hmm. So, um, now I was thinking when you were saying all that, I was thinking about what Pastor said in the beginning of the sermon yesterday when he, he said, because uh, he started that series on Revelation, and he said people had been sending him stuff to, to read and watch. And then he said, I've been checking some stuff out on YouTube. And, and he's like, he's like, where do they get these ideas? Where do they come up with, this? you know, all this kind of stuff? Mm -hmm. He said, just give me the word. Just give me the word. Let me, you know, I just want to focus on what the word says. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> I remember one time that uh, I tried out for a church in South Carolina, and uh, uh, they they were upset with me because they'd asked me, you know, about my reading outside of the Bible. You know, what do I read? And I was like, I don't, I don't read. I I don't like reading. First of all. And I said, I, I don't, the only book I read is the Bible. And they, they were just, they were floored by that because they were like intellectual people and they read, they read a lot of books, you know. And, mm -hmm. and, and I just don't like reading. But I, but I, I said what, what, what Pastor said yesterday, I said that a long time ago. I, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't, and my Greek teacher used to say, my Greek teacher, when he preaches and studies, he, well, he's passed away now, but he would use his Greek Bible, and, and that's what he used to all the time to study out of, to read, you know, whatever. And he he told us in class, he said, "I don't want what man says, whether it's King James Version, New Living right. Translation, commentaries can whatever. be helpful." Yeah, but but no, he didn't even want translations. He, mm -hmm. he he said, "I want what the Holy Spirit says," and this is what the Holy Spirit says. And so he wouldn't even use a translation. Mm 
Mm. It uses mm. the the Greek text. Get as original as yeah, you can. Original as you yeah. can. Yeah. And he, he said, "Give me what the Holy Spirit said. I don't want what man says." And that's like the way I've been with, with anytime you read somebody. I could write a book, you know. Right. And I know I bring up footnotes a lot. For me, they're helpful in helping, you know, illuminate our understanding as far as here's the cultural context. Here's the historical context. Here's, you know, things outside of the actual scripture um, to help give some understanding. But is it the word? No. no. I mean, that's that's man's interpretation or man's expounding on here, let me help you understand this word. So, yeah, and it, but it's easy. Like, it. We can get our favorite. We can get behind like we all like Ben Stewart, right? And Matt, you know, we've been listening to Matt Chandler's Revelation series because we're going through Revelation. But we, but we all have these preachers that we like to listen to a lot. Mm -hmm. and, and and most of them are you know are spot on. But but people have a tendency to get behind a preacher, you know, who writes these books, and they'll they'll get into their books and they'll say, well, you know, this guy says this, this guy says that. Instead of, and, and what, what it turns into is we're listening more to this guy when we argue God's word. Mm -hmm. We don't know, is this guy, everything, does, it, does he line up with the word? You know, and sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. And so we hope if you're listening to the Grind It podcast, or if you're watching these videos, that you're not just taking our word for it. No, get in right? No. But that you are reading the word yourself and that you're getting revelation, that you're mm -hmm. getting understanding, that you are getting... Um, this is what the Holy Spirit is whispering to me about this passage. Yeah. Because if you're th thinking about going back to the, the original passage with the disciples, they're, they're with Jesus every day and they still don't get it. They don't understand. We'll see, talk, talk more about this in the next podcast, but they really don't get it until Acts chapter 2 when they're filled with the Holy Spirit. When, the Holy, when Jesus has gone back to heaven, he said, the Father's right hand, the Holy Spirit falls in Acts chapter 2. They're, they're speaking in tongues and, and that's when they get it because it it just changed their life from that mm -hmm. point on, right? And mm -hmm. the church begins and all that stuff. But one thing I want to share before we uh, close today's podcast is James 1, 19 through 27. <coughs> it says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen. Mm. Got to be quick to listen. Slow to, slow speak. to speak and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word that God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls mm -hmm. remember as we are being saved it's a continual process and he says the, the, the God has planted this word in your hearts it has the power to save your souls but don't just listen to God's word you must do what it says otherwise you are only fooling yourselves for if you listen to the word and don't obey it it's like glancing your face in a mirror for you you see yourself, you walk away, and here it is. You forget what you look like. You forget what you look like. You may have a booger hanging out of your nose or something. <laughs> or you may have you may have some you may have a what what's the pop, poppy seed dressing? You're always, asking, poppy seed you're always saying your teeth. something about having poppy seeds in my teeth, you know, or, or broccoli. Yeah, like I was eating your broccoli soup all ago or like I got you say I gotta brush my teeth, I feel like I got broccoli stuck between my teeth. Yeah. You, when you look in the mirror, you see that and you can brush it out. When you walk away from the mirror, you forget all about it. Mm -hmm. you know? And, you know, it's embarrassing when you got a booger hanging out. You know, you're there talking to somebody and then you discover when you get in your car and you look yourself in the mirror or whatever, or you look in your rear view mirror and you see a booger hanging out of your nose. You're like, how long has that booger been hanging there? 
You know, if I've, if I've been talking about these people, this don't big, forget. Yeah. Okay. So the moral of this story is, <laughs> yeah. So he says, you see yourself, you walk away and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, talking about God's word. Mm -hmm. And if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourselves and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God of the Father means caring for orphans and widows and their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Mm. And this is why I'm in the podcast with this is why we, we need one another. Mm -hmm. We gotta have each other, we gotta have the body of Christ for two things reminders and accountability. Hey, you got a booger in your nose. Thanks. You're my true friend. Just wanted to know what you get. Would you get that? I, I, I don't know how many. I don't know how many times you tell me like, "Hey, you got a crumb right there on your chin," or you got, you know, you, I don't think you've ever said you got a bugger, you know. But you know, you'll see something on my face where I've been chomping down on something. You say, "Hey, you got this on you. You got this on her." And I'm like, "Oh, okay." So it's accountability. It's it's. And it, well, we need reminders. Hey, stay faithful. And mm -hmm. we, it, it, we say this in jest, it, you know, in laughing, but it's it's really true because when we're, especially when somebody, when we know that a brother or sister in Christ is going through something very difficult, and how easy it is to forget what God has done for you, especially in those difficult times, we gotta have one another as a remi to remind mm -hmm. those people what God has done. Pray for those people that what God will do, and to stay faithful. And, and, and we need accountability partners. Mm -hmm. Amen. Anything you'll add? Mm -mm. Want to pray? Sure. Okay. Lord, remind us. Holy Spirit, remind us. You're our teacher and our guide, and you lead us into all truth. And you are the one who reminds us who we are. We don't want to be those who hear the word only, but walk away and, and forget what we look like. But we want to be doers of your word. So thank you for the reminder today. Thank you for building us up. And thank you for brothers and sisters that we can encourage one another, spur one another on towards love and good deeds, provoke each other. Thank you. Let this word be planted deep in our hearts. Help us not to be so dull. <laughs> Help us not to be so um, hard to, to get it or to understand. But help us to remember your faithfulness. Show us how to build things into our lives, into our culture that remind us about the faithfulness of God. Building altars, monuments to your goodness. So that when we begin to doubt, we can look back at those things and go, oh, that's right. You provided. I know you'll provide again. Father, thank you for giving us that wisdom. And we ask for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Can't believe you forgot the bread. Keep it Thanks for listening to the Grounded Podcast. If we could pray for you or encourage you in any way, please email us at thegroundedpodcast at gmail.com or you can text us at 865-418-2824. 
If you're watching on YouTube, please click like and subscribe, and you'll be notified about new episodes. If you're listening on an app, leave us a five-star review, but most importantly, share the Grinded Podcast with a friend. God bless you, and remember, keep grinding.